This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, summer, fall, winter, and spring. Whatever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's. Grow the world you want with help from Scott's. And a good Saturday morning to you. Frank Proctor here uh, at the sous chef or under gardener, as I'm referred. And uh, there is David in the next room uh, taking care of biz for us uh, on the production side of things. And here is Charlie Dobbin. Good morning. Good morning. And look what I brought for you. <gasps> a big fat tomato. That's right. Wow, is that fresh, a dandy. Fresh off the vine. Well, isn't that lovely? That's for your lunch. What? I'll, I'll I'll get a little bit of salt. I just like a little bit just of salt. Just a little just bit. A, just a tad. But you know, I know how you like to eat healthy, mm-hmm. and I know you're here for many hours. So this yeah. <laughs> this big fat juicy tomato is going to keep you going. It's been a great year for for the ve- tomatoes, vegetables yeah, yeah. in general. But great growing year, and uh, I'll tell you, I've just I only have three big plants, like three like big tomato plants, and. Um, I'm just getting a real constant supply, you know, sort of half a dozen yeah, every yeah. two or three days. It's just perfect. perfect. Good. It's working out. It's, it's, uh, the plan is working. It's, I thought you were going to bring me a deep-fried butterball from the X. <laughs> Not. It, t- tomato is this better. This is better. Yeah. <laughs> better for your health. My friends, let me get you the phone numbers first because we've got a little bit of business to take care of here with emails and such. 416-360-0740 for Toronto area listeners and anywhere else in the province, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right off the top, the mantra, I must repeat, is call early, call often, one question per call. Okay, mm-hmm. my job's done. Over to you, sport. Thanks there, lovey. A couple of things. Last week we had a call from Jessie. She was growing a lovely, very fragrant tropical plant, commonly referred to as Madagascar jasmine. Mm-hmm. Proper name is Stephanotis floribunda. Uh, now, this is something that's often used. <laughs> you get I that like look. That. I love that name. Floribunda. <laughs> floribunda. Yeah, b- abundant floras. <laughs> so that's what that means. So here's, hopefully Jesse's listening, and for anybody else who has this plant, propagation can be done by cuttings or by seeds. Um, seeds produce, are produced in a pod. It's a big pod. It almost looks a bit like a mango, the shape of the pod. Now, the seeds are fully mature in about a year, uh, regardless of whether or, not, whether or not the pod has changed color or split open. So, of course, the pod sits there, it ripens up, takes about a year. Seeds are tightly compacted in the center of the pod, can be removed in one bundle. Um, if, and if you do that, um, each pod can produce up to 70 to 100 half-inch seeds. Now, if the seeds are left to dry out, the bundle will begin to break up and silky parachutes will begin to unfurl on each seed in the same way as the related species American milkweed. Um, Seeds propagate best, though, if they're sown immediately upon opening the pod. So don't open the pod and dry the seeds out. Instead, open the pod, plant immediately, 
sow the seeds just under a tiny bit of soil, just enough to keep them moist, keep them in a well-lighted location, regular room temperature, mm-hmm. uh, and you should have germination in about seven days. Wow. So that's, and that's good. You'll know, you, yeah. and you should, your best germination, meaning your highest level or percentage of germ- germination will happen, the fresher the seeds are. So that's, you know, once you've opened the pod, plant the seeds right away. Uh, okay, there's that. Yes. Hope everybody was taking notes. Uh, <laughs> next, couple of things because yeah. we're getting back into um, hort societies. are starting to set up meetings and flower shows. So get out your calendars, everybody. The Riverdale Hort Society is back from summer break. They're hosting their annual potluck supper and awards night on Wednesday, September the 8th from 7 till 9 p.m. Everyone is welcome. And this is at the Frankland Community Centre, 816 Logan Avenue. Uh, the Agent Court Garden Club's annual flower show will be held on Saturday, September 11th, from two between two and four thirty p.m. That's at the Knox United Church Education Center, which is at two five seven five Midland Avenue, Agent Court. Again, welcome all to see an exciting display of flowers, plants, and vegetables, as well as a delightful array of floral designs. Free admission and a tea room. Uh, okay, a couple more if we have time. Or maybe what I'll do is I'll hold off because everybody's frantically writing. But I've got a couple more coming up. One is in Newmarket. One is in Burlington. So anybody well, in those areas, keep stay tuned for events coming up soon uh, in those areas. And Charlie, right about now, some mm. people might be getting dressed and heading out the door to you know, go down to the CNE. Mm. When you're doing that, folks, uh, check out The Garden Show, mm-hmm. sponsored by AM740. And it is in the Heritage Court of the Direct Energy Center. Yes. That being said. That is a very cool like, setup, actually. Yeah. There's always a very nice competition. They've got yep. whole flower uh, and garden competition in there that's uh, very well attended, uh, yep. both you know competitors and by the audience. You betcha. And a little admission on my part, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not operating at full capacity today. I was up late last night with my eldest son. We were watching the Bruce Lee story uh-huh. uh, and uh, <laughs> had a few pops. <laughs> Pops with pop. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, of course. Oh, yes. Of Makes course. sense. <clears throat> uh, uh, but that's okay because, you know, that Bruce Lee story, yeah. you know, you were obviously getting oh, geared up for some serious uh, boxing yes. boxing and kickboxing. And, and I know how active you are and that oh, tomato is going to help you. I know. Did you remember to take your CRSL last night at 2 a.m.? No, I did not. Oh, well, there I you go. Not. That's why I'm kind of achy. That's right. Oh, you, see, okay. you, you forgot your CRSL, which is a patented all-natural <laughs> mineral complex. It's been clinically proven to reduce inflammation. Uh, it's a favorite amongst people who want to be active and are, have any joint pain or arthritis or chronic joint inflammation. So you remember to take your three pills later today. And for anybody who wants more information, just call one joint 14 gardening advice you've come to the right place the am 740 garden show with charlie dobbin sponsored by scott's the makers of miracle grow and i'm frank proctor along with you on this uh, saturday morning it's going to be a warm one today 9 14 let's head to the phone lines say hi to dorothy in toronto hi dorothy hi morning um, i have a big problem with the weeds in my grass mm-hmm. they uh on the, the sheet that I got from the man who fertilizes the lawn said it's called chick grass. And oh. they're about a foot in diameter. And I put on that weed control and nothing happens. And there doesn't seem to be any grass underneath it now. All it is is, is earth. Oh. When I dig it up, I've just got a big 
uh, space of Earth. Right. So, but the chickweed, which is what you have in your grass, it kills the grass. So, yeah. have you been able to eliminate the chickweed? Is it gone? No, it's still it's growing. It's green and, and growing. Uh, I have a big patch in the backyard where it is, and more, and so do my neighbors. Okay. It propagates typically from seed, and it did go to seed about uh, a couple of weeks ago, a little white flowers. Um, if it's if we are talking about the same plant, um, chickweed has little round, um, well, oval, almost round leaves that are soft and furry. It's called mouse-eared chickweed because the leaves are just like a mouse's ear. They're about the same size and same texture, uh, and it does... Um, annihilate the grass. There's no question. Once chickweed finds a spot and starts to grow, it just kills the grass. You have two options. One is to dig out the chickweed. Number two is to use the Weed Begon uh, product, which will kill the chickweed. But again, there will be no grass growing there. So it's a two-step process. Remove the weed and then have grass seed in your back pocket and you're ready to fill in that, you know, top dress and overseed is the mantra when it comes to the lawns these days. So wherever we have any areas that are blank or thin grass, you know, empty, the, the, the turf has died for whatever reason, you must top dress and overseed to uh, uh, avoid weeds moving in in the future. Yeah. So when I put the grass seed in now, mm-hmm. I put it in the hole. Um, no, not so much. Grass seed is, is sown right on the surface of the soil. Oh, yeah. It does not need to go underground. As a matter of fact, it's best right on the surface. If you have a lot of birds in your area, though, you may want to put a very light dusting of soil just over top of the grass seed to uh, stop the birds from taking the, bird, the grass seed. Uh, but um, did, you definitely don't want to bury grass seed deep. It will not come up. It needs to be right almost right on the surface and keep moist obviously for three uh, up to three weeks keeping daily moist to get it to grow i water it and then uh what about the grass around it oh it'll just just as you're watering and caring for everything that grass will grow and spread and fill as well but you will need to overseed if you've got blank areas don't wait for the grass to fill in get some some good quality grass seed Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Dorothy. Thank you, Dorothy. And, my friends, you're listening to AM740, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show, and we're off and running to Brampton, where Roberta awaits. Hi, Roberta. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I have a problem. I My sister gave me a slip from the Rose of Sharon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now 12 inches high. Mm-hmm. Um, I put it in water, and it has roots. Mm. So I transplanted it into a small pot. And before I knew it, the roots were coming through the holes at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, well, I better transplant it again. I put it in a bigger pot. Mm-hmm. Well, the roots are coming through the bottom again. Okay. My question is, do I put it in a bigger pot, or do I put it outside? Well, do you have a spot for it to go outside, remembering it's going to become a big shrub? Ah, well, yes. I just wondered maybe that that the, you know the weather would kill it. Oh gosh, no! If it's Rose of Sharon, Rose of Sharon is hibiscus. We're okay. familiar with the tropical hibiscus that, yes, okay. would die outside. But Rose of Sharon is a hardy hibiscus, and okay. it will live year round outside. Do you currently have it inside? Yes, I do. It's only 12 inches tall now. So, okay, here's what I would do if I were you. And this is actually a good time to do it. So your call, your timing of your call is very good. 
uh, take that potted plant, get it outside today. Perfect day to take it outside. It's not sunny. It's not hot. Um, put It's going to rain later on, so it's just really nice conditions. Put it in a spot where it's not going to get, if it gets windy, you don't want this plant to get whipped around in the wind, but you do want it to experience the, start to experience the real world. So I have whether, an exposure with the, the brick of the house mm-hmm. protecting it, so that should do it? Yes, though I wouldn't. Is that your only exposure as a southern? Do you have a northern uh, no, as well? No, I have other exposures, okay. but that would be the safest one. Well, ultimately, you may want to plant it in that southern exposure uh, because Rose of Sharon does want a sunny location. Right. And it Not does sunny. And it does become a shrub, you know, seven, eight feet tall. Very four, hardy, aren't yeah, they? Four yeah, four or five feet wide. Beautiful flowers at this time right. of year. The trick you have to do right now is to what we call harden it off. You have to... Right. I'll get this little, it's been very coddled inside in the safety of your home, you need to now um, introduce this plant to the real world and real world conditions. So it's a process of getting it outside, protecting it from the weather for starters. A couple of days from that, then it's out. You can allow it a little bit of sun in the morning in three or four days and then move it into a spot where it's getting a little more sun all day, mm-hmm. which would be your southern exposure. So sort of 10 days from today, you're in a position to actually plant it in its final location outside. And I would do that uh, bef- before the end of August, if you can. The end of August. Yeah, if okay, you can. Now, if I put it next to the, the brick wall mm-hmm. in the southern lo- location, mm-hmm. where I think would be good protection from the, from the north wind... Mm-hmm. Can I, once it, like next year, can I replant it again? Can I take it up and put it someplace else? If you think that you want, you're going to want to do that, then I would leave it in the pot it's in now and just put it in the ground with the pot still around the roots. Ah. Then next spring, you can just lift the pot and find your final location, take it out of the pot and plant it. So if the roots are coming through the pot even now, a week and a half of them just... (sighs) Through. Well, it's it's ready to go. I mean, this is a plant that's ready to be given its final location. If you've got the final location, I would do that today if you can. You know what I'm saying? Like, start that process, get it out, get it into its proper spot, let those roots grow, and it'll be a very happy plant. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Charlie. You're, you're very welcome. Enjoy your program. Thank you. Thank you, Roberta. Alrighty, at 921 here at AM 740, The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, Bill up in Penetang, you start warming up your pipes because we're coming to you next in just a couple of moments. Uh, before we get to a little message or two, have a note here to pass along. Mark your ca- calendars now for the Lake Simcoe Southmaster Gardeners Tour in Newmarket. The first annual Along the Garden Path Tour will be happening 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, September 11th, rain or shine. Tickets 10 bucks per person and available at a number of locations, or if you like to email, it's lssmastergardeners at gmail.com. Need gardening advice? You've come to the right place. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, the makers of Miracle Grow. 923 on this Saturday morning, and uh, let's see. Oh, the phone number is just going to remind you one more time here 416 360 Or if you're anywhere in the province outside Toronto, give a call to this number toll free 1 866 740 740. Hi, Bill in Penetang. Hello, Bill. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, Charlie, I called you last January where I took the hobby on of raising African violets. I remember. Well, I've run into a little problem. What's that? I think I've rectified the problem. But the problem is around the edges of two of my plants Mm -hmm. have turned brown. Now, I measure the water out 
every Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And I give them the same amount of water every Saturday. My question to you is, do you know what causes the, the brown to come on only two of my ten plants? <laughs> and that's on the leaves, the edges of the, the leaves. Right. Now, right. the water's room temperature. The water, I let the water stand for seven days before I oh, give it to them. Perfect. So that's good. So every, that, And that's great because you're also uh, evaporating off some of the additives in the water. Right. It's unfortunate you live in an igloo. However... <laughs> 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 Frank jumps to the next yeah. <laughs> next possible yeah. option. Okay, and when you water, do you water in the saucer below or do you water uh, directly on the soil? I will water in the saucer below. Huh. And it's the exact same amount of water for hmm. every plant or virtually? Every plant gets the same amount of water. And are, when you water, do you feel the soil before you water? Yes, I make sure that the water's not, uh, pardon me, that the soil is not damp. Okay, so it's it's got a good firmness to it when it you are... a very good firmness to it. Hmm. And the light situation's the same for all of them? They're all it's, sort of... Yes, it's, uh, in fact, I, I move them around every every third day. Playing the old shell game, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frank just jumped to seeing what you were doing. <laughs> now, the brown... Only came in, let's say, uh-huh. I, I've never measured it, but about a quarter of an inch around the edge of about four or five leaves on each plant. Yep. Huh. And is it the old, it's probably the older leaves that's happening too. Right. Yeah. You know what? I, yeah, there's no, nothing jumps to mind as the obvious reason, except that even though they're all African violets, there are thousands of different sort of varieties of African violets based on leaf shape and color and flower shape and color and doubles and singles. So it just could be that the two that you're seeing this browning on are, for whatever reason, either more susceptible to... See, I'd be inclined to think a little bit of overwatering going on there. Right. Or a little bit of salt buildup in the soil, perhaps. Do you, How often are you fertilizing? Yes, I have a... Uh, a liquid fertilizer for them. And you, how often do you use that? Uh, every week. Okay. I put a little bit on. A little bit on. So you know what? I'd be inclined to try the two that were showing a little bit of browning. Hold back on the fertilizer on those. And actually, as we get into the fall, I'd be inclined to start fertilizing only every second week, maybe, okay. or every third week, just to allow a little bit of a slowdown. Though, obviously, African violets will keep on blooming year-round. Uh, it is You have to recognize the days are getting shorter and the plants do slow down when that happens. And right. it is possible that you can get a salt buildup in the soil from fertilizer not being utilized by the plants. Yep. So that's what I would sort of conclusion I would jump to. Uh, I'm happy to do a little uh, research if you like. There's a very, very active African Violet Society that I'm happy to uh, look up and see if anything comes. uh, And I'll report back next week if you like. Okay. Okay. Uh, Can I take those leaves off? I would wait until they're more than, if they're only 10 or 20% brown now, remember the green part is still photosynthesizing. Right. So unless you're going into a competition with those or you've got, you know, somebody coming to visit and you really want them perfect, I'd leave them as long as you can. Wait till they're at least sort of 50, 60% brown and then remove them. Yeah. The only competition I'm going into is my my wife wants me to change their names. I call them all my girls. (laughs) They all got names. (laughs) She doesn't, she's getting jealous, is she? Oh, real jealous. (laughs) Well, thank you, Charlie. I'll try that, and I'll listen next week. All right. Thanks, Thanks for Bill. your call, Bill. <laughs> thank you. I get you. Every morning, come down and say hello to the girls. Yeah. Hey, Daisy, how you doing? Good morning, I am girls. Mildred. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's <laughs> clearly giving a lot of care to those well, African yeah, violets. Yeah, yeah. He's hovering. That's, I don't blame her for being a little jealous. That's, <laughs> that's great. I love those calls. Quite 928. Sweet.
928 here in the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show from AM740. And a little note about the Burlington Horticultural Society General Meeting and Flower Show. It's going to be held Wednesday, September 8th from 730 to 930 in the evening. Uh, Darren Heimbecker is the speaker on the building of Whistler Gardens, Canada's newest horticultural show garden. It's all happening in the Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane in beautiful Burlington. Okay, uh, speaking of uh, traveling, let's do a little traveling here to uh, speak with Audrey in Scarborough. Hi, Audrey. Hi. Good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Fine. Thank you. I wonder if you could give me some information. Um, I started my granddaughter to grow some uh, tomatoes so mm-hmm. she could see how things grow. Mm-hmm. So we planted the seeds in a beautiful big urn, and they grew. They're, they're enormous. I've had so many that. Uh, that cherry tomatoes is incredible. Mm-hmm. But then we had one of those ones that hang upside down. Oh, yeah. And it was kind of dying. So we took one of the, one of the stems out and we planted it in with the others. Mm-hmm. Well, it grew too, but it's a bigger, bigger tomato. But underneath the, those tomatoes, the bigger ones, it's all black. Could you tell me what happened? Uh, oh, the actual fruits of the tomato? Yes. Black on the, on the bottom? On the under part of the tomato, yes. Sure. You know what that is? It's called blossom end rot. Oh. So, yeah, oh, Frank Ooh. just looks like he's going to cry. Yeah. Oh, I feel sorry for them. <laughs> well, okay, so if like if you look at the tomato that's sitting on the table here, Frank, yeah. um, you know how that, imagine that tomato's hanging from the, the vine. Right. The okay. blossom was here. Let me hold it close the, to the microphone so yes, everybody can, can see what I'm doing here. Yes. So the, the blossom was at the bottom of the tomato, mm-hmm. and it will start to rot at the bottom. And the reason why, they there's two reasons, it's connected reasons. One is... A lack of calcium or access to calcium by the plant leads to this particular condition. And why, sometimes our soils have lots of calcium, why is the plant not getting the calcium? It comes down to consistent watering. If tomatoes, tomatoes are very picky about being consistently watered. If it's extreme watering, like not like it's a lot of water one week and then no water for 10 days and lots of water, the skin will crack. You'll get all kinds of strange things going on on the surface of the fruit, but you'll particularly see, uh, and, and not always, but often you'll see blossom and rot, and they're not edible once you start seeing that. They're, they're into the compost. Oh, boy. Nothing worse than having a bottom that's rotting. I'm telling you. That's that. true, oh. and and in in a container is even the, even harder because when we're planting anything in a container, we're using soilless mixes, and when you use a soilless mix, uh, they dry out even more than the soil in the or, you know ground. So it's very very important to be right on top of the watering whenever we're planting tomatoes, particularly in containers. Well, All right, cher- so cherry tomatoes grew fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we had an abundance of them, and they're still growing. Excellent, and they will still grow as long as you've got that sunshine and the above freezing temperatures, which I think we're good for several weeks still. Right. So should I just take that other plant out? I would uh, t- look carefully, see if there's any that are you know take off anything that shows any evidence of the of the rot, the right. blossom end rot, and just keep an eye. You may get no tomatoes off of that one, but you never know. You might get one or two. Right. Oh, that's okay. great. Thanks and very much for your information. You're very welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. And the same to you, Audrey. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. 931 here at AM 740, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show with yours truly, Frank Proctor. And uh, did you have a little note you want to pass sure. along? I yeah. just want to jump in here. I have an email I wanted to share. I have. I always get email, and I don't always get a chance to read them on the show. But this was a cute one. Uh, this is from Olivia, and she says, I have, a ter- I have terrible trouble growing cacti. I bought a plant full of buds. Bad, I know. There were two distinct portions, each with two stalks. This was in Christmas 2008. 
and eight. So she's talking about a Christmas cactus. So none of those buds bloomed. One portion completely died after Christmas. The other two stalks are producing healthy green leaves. The problem, they are at the extreme side of a five-inch pot and drooping over with stems eight inches long. When can I repot? What size? And then she says, I'm glad Frank isn't here with his mantra. (laughs) Really enjoy and learn a lot on your show. Thank you. So, Olivia, uh, what she's got happening there is something that happens to all of us, sometimes, particularly with Christmas cactus. There's a tendency to forget to turn the pots, which is exactly what Bill was just talking about, how he plays the shell game with his girls and he moves them around. Olivia has to get into doing that with her Christmas cactus. If you leave uh, any of your indoor plants on a window ledge or wherever they're sitting and you don't move the pot, you will find all your growth or the majority of the growth will happen where the light is. So the plant becomes very unbalanced, the pot becomes unbalanced, and the whole thing falls over at some point. So you have to turn. It's that 90-degree turn every three days, just like Bill. Now, what do you do once you're at this point? So... What I would say, Olivia, is don't hesitate to cut back the big, long stems that you've got happening on those Christmas cactuses. So she's got a little five-inch pot. She's got these big, long stems. You could repot up to one-inch larger, six-inch pot, and then cut back those two stems and take the stems that you cut back and stick them in the ground on the other side to balance the whole thing out. They will grow roots and they will fill in that empty side of the other the other side of the pot when you're doing the repotting. Remember as well, it's a good time to talk about Christmas cactus. If you haven't left yours outside for the summer, do it now. Get them outside, get them, um, start in the shade, but move into the sun. I leave my Christmas cactus out until they've had a light frost. And when they come in, it might be October, when they come in, they are covered in buds. That's how we get Christmas cactus to bloom. We give them lots of light and we give them cool temperatures, particularly at night. And that's what we're going to start getting into now is the cooler temperatures. So if you're having trouble getting your Christmas cactus to bloom, get them outside, leave them outside so they get those cool winter, cool night temperatures, and you'll have lots and lots of flowers. That sounds great. Olivia, I hope you were listening in there for all of that. I hope so, too. And And, and Frank wasn't listening. I was ready to jump in with my (laughs) mantra, but you covered that off nicely. (laughs) Darn it. (laughs) Hey, Norm up in Beaton, a good day to you, and welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call. I enjoy your show immensely. Thank you. My question is, I heard Charlie earlier in the week, and I only caught part of it, uh, about these uh, tar-like spots on the leaves of trees. Mm -hmm. On the maples, yep. Yes, I got three maples on my front lawn and one in my backyard. They're monstrous trees, mm-hmm. and I've been using these, uh, mulching them all up and letting them go into the gr- the ground. Mm-hmm. And a, a bin of them I keep for putting in my vegetable garden. And mm-hmm. I guess I shouldn't be doing this. Actually, that's a great question, Norm. Um, Norm heard one of the vignettes that I played or I spoke of during the week, and it was on the subject of tar spot of Norway maple, which is just starting to become very evident right mm-hmm. now. The maple leaves are starting to, it starts as a yellow, kind of a halo uh, on the leaves, darkens into a black blob, and the leaves will drop, and there they are. Now, that's a fungus, and as Norm heard on the radio earlier in the week, If those leaves stay in your neighborhood, on your property, untouched, undecomposed, over the winter, then come spring, those leaves with those spots will have little fungal spores uh, jump off those leaves, if you will, and reinfect 
the brand new leaves next spring as they start to emerge on our maples. So what do you do? But but you see, Norm, I think what you do, what you're doing is what I do. I take all my tar spot covered leaves in the fall and I mulch them up with my lawnmower to break the, those big leaves down into being smaller chunks. The smaller chunks of the maple leaves will decompose far faster than a full leaf ever will. And that's the trick. You want to get them decomposed before next spring. Well, thank you very much for letting me know that. So yeah. It's okay to use them in my vegetable garden. Then. Yeah, and like you said, you keep a bin of them. And so oh, what? Yeah. just the main trick is if you're going to use them in the vegetable garden, get it, dig them under. Okay. Or uh, do that chopping up so that they're better. De- you do that in the fall, obviously. You, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you can chop them up a little bit smaller than the, the size they are now, or at least get them under the ground, yeah. one way or the other, you can eliminate the fungus reinfecting next spring. Yeah, I put them through a leaf blower and, and oh, they're mulched all to, to very perfect. small pieces. Good for you. Oh. Okay, that's great. So keep doing it because it's one of the best sources of, or- of organic matter oh. that you can get. To I have was, good vegetables and flowers. I was thinking that's like I haven't had a good yield of my tomatoes the last two years, and when I heard that, I thought that's probably what's wrong. But no, probably what's wrong is the rotating of the crops. Have you been moving your tomatoes? I, I don't think I did last year. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Big difference. Yeah, if you yeah. can, if you've got a big enough vegetable garden, you can move them around. Well, yes, I could. Yeah, I could move them to another spot where I got my beans or something. Exactly. Like that. Perfect. Do a Not swap. A big garden, but it's. But still, if you can swap beans and tomatoes, you will get a better yield from both of them by oh. doing that swap. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Norm. Talk to you later. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Welcome anytime here on The Garden Show, 938 here on a uh, Saturday morning. Frank Proctor along with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, I think we have time to take one more call before we have to uh, say hi to a few sponsors. Let's see. We're going to go and say hi. Oh, Bob in Hamilton. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, I have a uh, question for Charlie. Mm -hmm. I planted three summer flocks this Mm -hmm. year. Yep. And... uh, well, I'd like to know. My neighbor has them, and they're big and almost wild-looking. Uh, can you prune them back, and when should you do it so they don't get so big and unruly-looking? Hmm. Well, you probably have very good soil, which is why they're so big and unruly. How tall are they? Well, mine aren't. I just oh. planted them this year, but okay. my neighbors, oh. like I say, they're really they're large and spread all over, and I don't want mine to get mm. that way. Well, okay, so summer phlox is a perennial. It is a yeah. mid to late summer blooming perennial. Average height is about 18 to 24, even 36 inches or 30 inches tall. Yes. Come in all colors of pinks and purples and whites. Um, the single plants that you planted are just a nice little controlled, compact clump right now. But as you notice, the neighbors started as that same little clump and over the years the clump gets bigger and bigger and bigger and so what was taking up you know sort of one square foot of garden is soon taking up one square yard of garden and how do you control that you the two things you do and this will not control the width but remember at the end of the summer you once the good heavy frost has happened you will trim the flocks right down to ground level now, the root will stay alive and emerge in the spring. You'll so take. How, how would you leave them? Just a couple inches high? Yeah, it's like an inch, basically. You just kind of leave little brown stems okay. sticking up, and then you'll know exactly where they are. In the spring, when they start to grow, 
the the clump next year will be again not a very huge clump because it was a first year clump this year but over the years you're going to see that get bigger and bigger and bigger so at some point you're going to get your shovel out you're going to actually chop that clump up into pieces and if you don't want it to get any bigger you're going to just control it by actually removing some of the root and the easiest time to do that is in the spring before it all starts to grow i see so i just basically control the size of the clump exactly and, and I trim them back in the fall. That's right. After uh, they're finished flowering and we've had some heavy frost. I see. So what would that be, like late October? Probably. In Hamilton, it could be late October, even could be November. And if you don't get to it in the fall because you just, you know, it snows before you get a chance to get out there, you can always trim them down in the spring. Okay. And strike, but they should be split in the spring. That's by far the easiest time to do it. Okay, thanks okay. very much, Charlie. You're very enjoy welcome. Your show. Good, thank thanks, you. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Bye bye. Take care of Hamilton Forests up there in the mountain. Um, by the way, uh, good morning to those folks who are maybe tuned in from Rogers Cable Channel 949. Mm-hmm. Something is relatively new, and it's a wonderful way to increase the uh, the quality of the Yeah, the, the clarity. Reception. That's yeah. right. Particularly if you live in areas where you've got some kind of buzz going on due to yeah. TTC uh, lines or something. Yeah, girders in the building, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep that in mind, folks. If you're on uh, uh, cable, uh, Rogers Cable, anywhere in the province, channel 949. Okay, we're going to zip along uh, next to have a little chat with Elizabeth as well from Hamilton. First, these words here on AM 740's The Garden Show. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, makers of EcoSense Weed Be Gone, the new way to kill weeds. Well, this little weed just cropped up again. Frankie Proctor here, along with Charlie. <laughs> my un- my favorite undergardener. Why, thank you so much, Charlie. Uh, Elizabeth in Hamilton, now set to go with your call. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Charlie. Um, I just have a question about a shamrock. Mm-hmm. Um, I replanted a pot that um, my mom had. Um, it was really root-bound, and I couldn't break it apart. So I put it in a bigger pot, and I put earth around it and that, and it did bloom for two or three months, and now it's not blooming at all. And before I repotted it, it bloomed all summer long. It's an inside plant mm-hmm. it's on my balcony, okay. on my coasting balcony. I'm just wondering if I've done something wrong. No, no, it's that's a really good example of what happens when you make the environment better for the plant. Because actually the plant is much happier in that bigger pot, and it's showing you its happiness by not bothering to flower. (laughs) So often when plants flower, they do it because it's an indication of stress. That's when we often get our best flowering is when plants are under a lot of stress, whether it's they're pot bound or they're getting insufficient moisture or they have no nutrient or it, not, it doesn't typically happen when they're in, in a dark stress. But uh, but any of those other stresses will often cause flowering. So don't worry. You'll see next year it'll flower for a little longer than it did this year. Um, and, and again, keep in mind the plant is growing some roots. Uh, you've given it some space to grow some roots. So it can only have so much energy to put out. Well, and right now it's going into root growth. I am, but I couldn't I couldn't break the roots. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was so root-bound, yep. I couldn't break it apart. You could have sliced it with like a steak knife if you'd really desperately wanted to. Just oh. to, when you can't break it, don't uh, hesitate to slice. 
you think I should do that now? No, I'd leave it. If, if it's, okay. it's looking nice and it's in a balanced situation mm-hmm. now in terms of the pot, I'd leave it alone. And then next spring, if you like, because perhaps you do want to make some more pots of it to give to friends or whatever, certainly you could consider taking it out, slicing it up into, say, four, you know, into quarters, okay. and then going to smaller pots. Remember, you, you don't want to put those little plants into big pots. You'd have to drop down your pot size to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it just kind of depends what works for you. I've got the exact same thing happening with some shamrocks that I've got at my front door. They were flowering like crazy, and now they're just leaves. But they're a golden leaf, so they're kind of pretty. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Right. And I was listening before, and they were talking about the cactus plants, and mm-hmm. the other plants I have are cactus for my mom as well. Yeah, yeah. So now I got a few hints on those, too. <laughs> Excellent. Uh-huh. Got, <laughs> so got two very... questions answered. There you go. There you go. Thank <laughs> Thanks, you. Elizabeth. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to AM740. Um, yep. I'm just going to bust in for one second and sure. remind people that if you um, miss something on the show or you hear it but you don't get it written down fast mm. enough, uh, this show is podcast. You can always listen to it again. Um, by podcast, I mean it's it's held. It's the, like a recorded show. You can listen. You can speed up, get right to the point, the question you wanted to hear again and the answer you wanted to hear again. Very simply, on your computer, just go to iTunes. Dot com. You will have to bring in the software, which is a very quick and easy thing to do, to be able to access iTunes. No cost at all. Just under the search, search Charlie Dobbin or search Garden Shows, and it'll come up, AM 740 Garden Show, and then choose the date and listen there at any time. Re-listen we, at any time. We are time. there for posterity. For, oh, that's kind of scary, you know. <laughs> know. Throughout the universe. Yes. In they'll perpetuity. I'll be checking back. What did Frank do? Uh, he, oh, gee. Oh, my God. Oh, goodness me. Okay, 946. Delete, delete. Delete. Uh, we were uh, zipping along here to Etobicoke, and Cynthia is waiting to uh, pose a question here. Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, this question's for you, Charlie. Um, what is your opinion of an amaryllis um, blooming, which was planted on the 8th of August? Oh, outside. wow. I discovered it in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my husband really discovered it. Mm-hmm. And I took it, since we were having such gorgeous weather, I dug outside and I planted it and I said, oh boy, the heat will do the trick. Mm-hmm. I see a bud now, hmm. and it's about uh, three inches high. Mm-hmm. Is it what in a... is your opinion? Do you think it'll bloom or oh, not? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, if you're seeing the, um, the growth that you're seeing out of the amaryllis, two questions. One is, is it directly in the ground, or is it in a pot in no, the ground? it's directly in the ground. Okay, so directly in the ground. And what you're seeing growing up, is it, is it a flower bud, or is yes. it a leaf bud? It is a flower bud. You know yeah. the difference, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yes, it will bloom. It what, will bloom? Yeah, what's happened is, is um, as you know, amaryllis is a bulb, yeah. and as long as it has its dormant time, which uh-huh. is preferably up as many as 10 weeks, but it can sometimes be as few as 8 weeks, mm-hmm. as long as it's had that dormancy and it went into dormancy with tons of energy in the bulb, mm-hmm. then post-dormancy, it will flower. So that's what's happened. By planting it, you just woke it up and said, okay, start time, time to grow, here's some water, here's some light, get going, and it's responding because it's ready to go. It's got all that energy within the bulb. Good. So Good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Don't let it stay out in the frost. It will die and if it stays out in the winter, so do get it out of the ground yes. before oh, yes. heavy frost. 
Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you so much. I'm going to hurry along because uh, Gertie is on the line, and she's on her way to work because she's kind of, ooh, i got to get on. So, uh, Gertie, <laughs> uh, have we connected with you there? How are you today? Good. She's on her way You're to work, all right. She's on her way to work, right? <laughs> I am on my road down to my work. Great to hear you guys again, and I do have a question in regards to gathering seeds from nasturtium plants. And as we know, nasturtiums are very notorious for having aphids on them. Should I be spraying a soap and water on that before I gather those seeds? And how should I, and when should I gather them to dry them? Okay, number one question. That was a pretty sneaky thing there. You've, there's a lot of, a lot of questions. Uh, uh, Gertie, what I would do is remember the seeds and the aphids are not connected at all. So you don't need to worry about annihilating the aphids in order to have healthy seeds. Okay. But if you want to have healthy plants, you do have to control the aphids. And, of course, healthy plants will set more seeds. So there's a good reason to use the soap and water spray to lower the aphid population to have more flowers and have more seeds. Now, now the collecting of those is an interesting question. I've never tried to collect nasturtium seeds. They usually drop to the ground uh, because I never get out there early enough to, to collect them. And then they sit there all winter and then they grow next spring. Oh, so they will reseed. Yep, they will. And they yeah, will... I have, them, I have them actually right now in two black urns. Okay. Plus I have them all through my garden bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now the ones in the urns are unlikely to survive. Any seeds will are unlikely to survive the winter. But the ones in the garden bed are very likely to survive and come up next spring. So, I mean, you could just let it happen. As long as you know what little nasturtium seedlings look like, just when you see them in the spring, let them come up. Excellent. That's what I would do. I'm lazy, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we have to take those breaks in life, don't we? That's right, exactly. Thank you very much. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, Gertie. Thank you very much. Uh, On our way to work, uh, calling into the garden show here at AM 740. And I don't really have to give the phone numbers. We've got jam lines here right now, so we do have to take a bit of a break. Did you want to add a little note? Yes, you do. uh, Sierra Sill is one of our sponsors of the show, and (laughs) you know because you get great effects. Absolutely. When you remember to take your Cirrusil, you've had some good, good anecdotal feedback for us. As has my husband; he's been very happy with uh, his better, looser limbs and and not stiff in the hips and being able to reach and and you know. Go some mornings I get up, I'm so loose I fall right to the ground. It's amazing. You're so uh, loose. I, I know. know. Well, I'll tell you, my my guy's pretty good when it comes to digging holes for me and moving trees, and I'm <laughs> glad he takes the Cirrusil to keep on being able to do that for me. So it is an all natural mineral complex. You take it daily. It has been clinically proven to reduce inflammation uh, and is a favorite for anybody who has joint pain, arthritis, uh, joint inflammation, or even injuries that are causing pain. So anybody who wants to be active and be more active, consider SierraSil. For more information, go to either sierrasil.ca or 1-877-JOINT-14. And uh, as we're uh, rolling along here, we'll be back in just a moment to uh, have a chat with Ellen in Oshawa. I want to say hi to some of our friends south of the border. You know, we beam into 28 states without the Internet. So to our Mm. friends uh, in the U.S., hey, good morning and uh, happy gardening to you. Back in a moment. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, makers of EcoSense Weed Be Gone, the new way to kill weeds. 
I've, I've often said, Charlie, there's nothing worse than a sick split-leaf philodendron, and Ellen in Oshawa <laughs> has a word about that. Don't you, Ellen? Yes. <laughs> okay. Morning, Ellen. Morning, Charlie. We've got you on speakerphone because Bill's the gardener, not me. Okay, uh, doke. Good. Anyway, we bought this split-leaf philodendron about 40 years ago in a 6-inch pot, transferred it to a 10-inch pot, and it's been in that pot ever since. Oh, my goodness. Well, it, it's... <laughs> It's in there, and it's on top of a piano cabinet, and I'm wondering if we should transplant it. I'd say it's about time, <laughs> 40 years oh. later. <laughs> I bet you it's huge, though, isn't it? Yes, it is huge. Is it all, like, uh, across the wall, around the room, through the oh, ceiling? Not that bad. Not that bad, but it's big. Uh, if you, I mean, honestly, if yes, if you could transplant it, that would be the best thing to do. It, because of the way split leaf philodendron grows almost like a vine and it can you it may be growing on um, a trellis or stakes you know we often get it to kind of cover walls so if it's something that you it, it, you'd have to kind of bring the soil and bring the new pot and bring everything to the plant not move the foliage or minimize the movement of the foliage and just slip off the old pot you know have a big pail or something below with your fingers take away some of that very poor soil that's still there uh, have a new pot, new fresh soil, kind of put that in position, get those roots in place, add more soil and water. If you could do that, that's great. If you can't do that, if nothing else, just grab a spoon and a fork and, and loosen up some of that old soil that's in the pot, pull that out and put some fresh soil in just without moving the pot and moving the plant at all. Right on. I've been <laughs> thinking about putting it into a 12-inch pot. Yes, and Ellen's been sort of, I don't know if you should or not. It seems happy where it is. If you, if you. aerial roots all over the place. Yeah, yeah. If you give it a bigger pot, it's going to become a bigger plant. Yeah. So just know that whatever size it is now, it's going to be very invigorating to get fresh soil in a bigger pot. So it's going to become bigger, which sometimes is a good thing, sometimes isn't. Plants, well, it's a beautiful plant. Sounds it, yeah. Actually, there's four, sep- four separate plants mm-hmm. all together. Sure, yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's four main stems coming out of it. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, if you can do it, if you can get, you know, even if it means bringing in half the neighborhood so that, you know, different people are holding different parts so that it can all be as stable as possible, take away the old pot, take away as much of that soil as you can and get fresh. Be great. Be great. Let, it, let us know how it goes. Give us a, give us a follow-up The plant call. will purr, I'll tell you. You will hear it purring if you do that. Good. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, You're welcome. Bill and Ellen. Boy, that's pre- he's pretty smooth. Gets his wife to go, and then he chimes yeah, in, you that's know. Right. Yeah, that's right. Speak little rascal. Multi-questions. They do what they can to get those questions. Okay. We've got uh, Barbara on the line from North York. Hello, Barbara. How are you? Good morning. Morning. Um, I'm re- calling in regards to rose bushes. Is it too late to transplant or plant new bushes at this time? No, not at all. It's a perfect time to transplant and plant. Okay. Now, when I do plant the new bushes out of the um, pots I bought them from Mm -hmm. at the um, nursery, Mm -hmm. do I cut them right back to the ground or no? No, no, no. If you're doing any planting from pots... Mm -hmm. Keep the root ball as intact as you can, coming out of the pot, put it into the ground, of course, you know, good quality soil, a little bone meal, uh, water thoroughly. 
I wouldn't necessarily. Depends. Are they climbing roses or are they just regular? No, they're they're bushes. They're shrubs. Shrub roses. Now, I would personally leave them alone unless you see. Like, are they big monster things? No, no, no. They're about a foot and a half tall. Yeah, leave them alone. Next spring, you will trim out any deadwood. Mm-hmm. And you will see it very clearly in the spring. Right. You'll also trim out any crisscrossing branches, uh, any of the canes that aren't looking healthy. Do all your trimming then. For now, just get them in the ground, water thoroughly. Like I say, a little bit of bone meal. No rose food at all until next year. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, okay next question, no. if I may. No, sorry. I- I'm sorry, oh, my love. no, this is very important. I'm sure it is. <laughs> it always is. But you know what? We're going to get tossed off the air in a minute. And new, call a next week. landmark orange bush. Newfoundland apparently is growing these as crop, and they're exporting them. There was a, a newscast uh, a couple of months ago on TV. I missed it. Tried to track it down. Well, my love, you'll have to you'll have to try next week. We're fresh at a racetrack here. We we don't have time for the question, oh, and you're a naughty girl for trying to slip but that in there. Give us a call <laughs> next week for sure. Try, but no cigar. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thank you very much. And uh, Margaret, who is waiting on the line from Toronto, uh, wants information about a Starburst plant. Maybe Charlie can deal with that next week if you can do some little that's research. That's why we have the mantra: yeah. call early, call, call often. often. One, One question per call. But I don't know what a Starburst plant is, so I can't do any. She'll have to give us a call again yeah okay bottom line yep thank you everybody thank you david well great done. job great job my friend thank you frank you held up well well and thank got you several hours to go yes i do but you're looking pretty perky well thank you uh love that tomato is going to oh, keep you going thank eh? you yes so don't forget to chow down on that midway through the day all righty thank you and, very much uh, and yeah thanks to all our great callers yeah super call yeah, super call wonderful any other week is you know but this was a we couldn't have this much fun without them exactly so. i'll be sticking around after the news and uh hopefully uh, you will be too i'm on the air right through till four so Please stay with me. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming up to the news time. And, Charlie, have a great week. And I'll see you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.